right, so I'm doing a new thing now, right? Where people come over, and I joked about this with my last guest. I had somebody here like an hour ago that I had never met before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just changing the name of my show from start okay. to beat to strangers in my house. Okay. <laughs> so it is completely, you know, we're not going to go through all of this like, oh, so what do you want to talk about? What's the game plan? I don't know you guys very, very well outside of being musicians and uh, forward thinking enough to want to network with some ding dong that has a podcast Mm -hmm. in the city. So why don't you introduce yourselves to the good people of the internet and let's get to know each other. Sure. All right. Well, we are Jordan and Zach. Uh, We have an acoustic duo that um, does a lot of covers right now around the area of Pittsburgh and probably within a 30 plus mile radius. Um, in addition to that, we started a recording studio and marketing studio uh, business called Lifeside Studios, um, which kind of helps local artists uh, find their way and pr- take their artistry to the next level in terms of recording and marketing and websites and stuff. And besides that, we also <laughs> just came out with a, uh, our first original song uh, under our new duo name that'll be for the original stuff called High Clear. Uh, that's the name of the duo, and the song is called Home. Uh, so we just released that, was it last week, I think? Yeah, the 12th. Yeah, the 12th, May 12th. So, um, so yeah, we're just kind of dipping our toe into multiple streams here and uh, seeing what sticks. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I feel as though in order to be any level of, air quote, successful in the modern day as a musician, you kind of also have to be your own promoter and marketer and entrepreneur and wear way too many hats for one head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, both of you seem like younger individuals than me. I'm a dinosaur, right? (laughs) So how long have both of you individually just been doing music in general? Uh, Strictly for me, I would say after high school. So I started um, my junior year in high school um, I started going to Lincoln Park Performing Arts School. I don't know if you know of it. Yeah. Um, so I went there, and that was the first time when I was like, wow, I maybe could make a career out of this. Um, and then after that, I kind of went the engineering route and did a bunch of recording and went to school for that. And um, so seriously, I would say for probably like five or six years. Cool. But Yeah, with me, it's weird. I didn't get involved as early as people assume that I did uh, outside of – just kind of casual things for fun in high school. I didn't really start studying music until college uh, as like a minor. Uh, I minored in in voice in college. Um, and then after that, started really getting involved in singing at church, um, both for their youth and on their sort of main services. And then that kind of led to, you know, having an interest in doing stuff in terms of gigs uh, around, the, around the area and finding sort of how I meant Zach, <laughs> trying to find a guitarist for that. Yeah. So... Uh, didn't really ever take it seriously, I guess, to answer the question until probably college, and then it kind of snowballed from there. Cool. So, you know, it seems as though, you know, the two of you, with everything that you're doing from the uh, acoustic duo stuff to the original song to trying to help other people, these are wise wise heads on younger shoulders, we will say. <laughs> Thank you. So okay. what, you know, what was the inspiration behind, you know, learning all of these things and not wanting to just hoard them for yourselves. Cause that's kind of the way a lot of artists tend to be, which I get, Mm -hmm. but as somebody who's also always trying to help my fellow musicians, what made like you, cause like for me, it came from like 
a decade of doing shit the hard way mm -hmm. and then meeting younger people and realizing if there's anything that I can do to help people mm -hmm. that are coming up now, I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. But it seems as though like your journey is just really getting started and you're getting started with wanting to help other people. Like where did that come right. from? Uh, we, I assume we probably have a couple different answers here, but for me, yeah. <laughs> for me, um, I am just as, as cheesy as it might sound. I'm a huge fan of local music, local musicians and artists. And I think that probably comes from, growing up in a church that was very contemporary and very performance-based, at least initially, um, and sort of really grew to respect them. And it was like, wow, this is, this is Pittsburgh talent. And, and then they all knew people like that were gigging musicians regionally and, and in the Pittsburgh area. So I became very attached and in, in awe of Pittsburgh musicians. So I think finding any kind of other up and coming Pittsburgh musicians was really an appealing idea to me personally and to kind of be at the start of helping them grow their their journey and get to the next steps. And even we've even worked with a couple of people who have, you know, haven't had no trouble getting started in in the music scene, but just maybe helping them out with a website or remastering some some old recordings, that's even exciting because there's so much talent in this area um, mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe sometimes people just don't have the time to devote to everything they want to do with their music area of their life. And so it's really exciting and sort of an honor kind of to, to be yeah. involved in helping them take those next steps. You know, something that I've noticed a lot of uh, local or just underground starting out musicians in general, a trap that they'll fall into is they, um, they'll put together something that they're really proud of. They don't know how to market it or promote it properly, but then they just move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And there's like all of these scattered abandoned things that never really got their proper do right because they didn't have like the right people around them so i like the idea of like well you know let's not focus so much on trying to create new 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 when you have so much stuff that nobody's heard right. it doesn't matter if it's a year old to you now mm -hmm. nobody's heard it right. and this is a great right. song what can we do to make mm -hmm. get this in front of people you know mm -hmm. it's right. like people release something and it gets 30 likes on instagram and they're like well i guess that's as far as this is gonna go right, and it's right. like that you're yeah, doing yourself a huge disservice on. right mm -hmm. You know, what was your reasoning for wanting to get into helping people? Um, I guess, I mean, mine's a little less mature than <laughs> Tight. Um, Jordan's, <laughs> um, just because he's been doing it a little longer. But I kind of recognized, um, well, first of all, I in high school, I was really planning on being like, I'm going to be a session guitarist. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Rock and roll. Play guitar. Tight. Rock and roll. Yeah. Um, but after that, I was like, I don't think I can do that full time realistically. Um, and I think for me, I, I got really into recording, um, like my senior year. And then after high school, um, that's pretty much all I've done. Um, and as far as that goes, the biggest thing that I've learned is I need like, especially right when I started was I need to learn how to deal with people and deal mm. with, um, different, uh, personalities and all of that because that's half the battle when you're recording is just being getting connected with who you're recording sure everybody that makes for the best recordings i think yeah when they're comfortable and everybody's enjoying what they're doing mm -hmm. and it's hard like learning everybody's language everybody has a different idea of what a, a hook is or what exactly. the bridge of the song is or mm -hmm. you know delay or or the echo or right. like, like all this terminology getting to learn what people want to do the thing that i think is really cool um and i'm sure the two of you are maybe starting to see this now 
Um, maybe I don't know like the why how wide of a diverse group of different musicians you've worked with, but the more that you collaborate with other people, you actually like absorb that knowledge and it makes That's you excited with that. Yeah. yeah. Like you start to become better not only mm -hmm. as an engineer, but better as a songwriter just from working with exactly. other minds. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. I mean, when I I knew that I hadn't, I'd barely scratched the surface, like with recording my friends and random people that I'd met. Um, now that we're doing this together and I'm getting a lot of uh, really professional uh, clientele um, from Jordan's area of experience and they've been doing it a while. And that I feel like has really brought me up as an engineer um, and as a musician in in the entirety of it, um, I think it all is starting to make a lot more sense than it did. Sure. Um, it seemed like kind of a black hole when you're just starting out, but it's, and I think the biggest thing, um, with trying to like break into the music industry is just knowing that just doing it is being in the industry, like going at it every day. Sure. It does, it's not like there's a moment where you're like, now you're in it. Like, yeah. The, the, the whole term, the idea of like, breaking into the music industry the doors open yeah really you don't really have to <laughs> break in it, right? you just gotta like know which door to walk mm -hmm. in you know it's like a, it's like a i don't know a good analogy but it's just like a giant building with countless doors it's just a matter of finding like what what floor in this building do i really belong on mm -hmm. or like where do i want to start i'm curious now because you mentioned that the two of you just put out your first original song mm -hmm. and Ha over the course of like starting to work and meet other musicians and get exposed to maybe different ways of songwriting and different styles of music how did that shape if at all like your own original music it's <laughs> hmm. a good question i think i get it kind of goes back to our previous experience with you know probably zach in his high school and then me th growing up through church i think we both kind of pulled influences from people we've either worked with or genres that we've respected or voices and instrumentations that we've respected um and this song in particular ended up being sort of a kind of summary <laughs> country pop almost thing which we neither of us would have expected yeah we would have made where it's <laughs> interesting not really, yeah. not really our genre but it kind of evolved into that and i think it came to be that because it, it was like a, a combination of all this all of these influences meshed into one um, vocally and from guitar. And mm -hmm. in other words, things we were such a fan of kind of all came together for this one song uh, in terms of the, the production elements. And um, so in that way, probably people we've worked with and just, just being through things we've absorbed as fans of music. Um, so in working with it so closely kind of culminated into this one song. Yeah, I think it's really important as a songwriter to just like if the song goes in a direction that you don't expect or is even maybe outside of your comfort zone, to just roll with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, even if luckily we're in a position now where you can just kind of drop singles and you have access to worldwide distribution of them. And if it's like mm -hmm. this weird one-off thing, it's really not that big of a deal mm -hmm. right. as versus maybe like a couple decades ago where the idea of like releasing a single, that's like, how do you do it? There's no social media and things mm -hmm. like that. So you, there's a lot more capability to experiment and find like what the eventual voice of this project is going to be, right? which is really cool with the two of you getting to know each other. Was there like from the start, like, Hey, one day we'll work on original music together. Or is this something that over time it 
slowly it definitely started took to a minute. yeah I feel yeah, like that was going to be a thing. That was probably the last piece of the puzzle of, yeah. <laughs> of all of the elements. Yeah, all the things we're involved in that we mentioned at the start. That was probably the one that came last. Um, we kind of, from the business standpoint, to your point about marketing, people, you know, a lot of local musicians in particular find it sort of intimidating or. You know, they just lack the knowledge or expertise on how to market it and take their own music to the next level. Um, that's kind of what brought us together. He's the the music engineer, and then I studied communications and marketing in college, and then you know, still make websites for people on the side. Everyone from musicians yeah. to to bookstores and things like that. But um, so we figured, you know, everyone's starting some sort of recording service, it seems, locally and in every city and state. But what if we combined our services and skills to combine the music and recording and engineering with the marketing side and really help people, you know, take their stuff to the next level in terms of not only can we record for you, but we're also marketed for mm -hmm. you. Um, so that's been appealing to people and that that once we figured out those were our backgrounds and strengths that was the first thing like oh we might have something here to, sure. to to help you know each other you know and mm -hmm. that kind of we once we said if we can do this for other people maybe we can sort of start to do this for ourselves and come up with some of our own stuff uh particularly after finding that chemistry during covering you know cover gigs that we do so yeah, yeah. that was where we first kind of noticed it right, was right. when we did like two rehearsals and we we're like these are great yeah. already and <laughs> we don't even have to try right so yeah now with working with other people and um choosing like who you want to work with i don't know if the two of you are in a position yet where you can start like turning away people mm -hmm. but are you like conscious about like who you're working with in terms of like a talent level or what kind of message they're trying to put out there in the world. Is there like a sort of like, I don't want to say screening process, but like how do you go about choosing who you want to work with? I think it's, I mean, it's pretty much early stages still right now. Um, I mean, we definitely have what we know we're good at, especially like musically. I know like what genres I'm the best at or I have the most experience with. Um, I just had a project that um, I passed off to a friend of mine that I went to school with because I knew he'd be better at it. Mm. Um, and that's that's what I think is more important than um, just getting as many clients as you can or doing as much as you can is making sure that it's the best that it can be, like regardless of my own involvement sure, or our own involvement. Sure, that goes um, back to that conversation of communication between like yourselves as the engineer or the producer or the marketer and the artist right like if mm -hmm. you're not speaking the same language per se right and, but you know somebody else right. that can understand them then maybe that's that's going to serve the art better mm -hmm. and then you can allocate your time to something that you know is going to serve you better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the biggest thing is just keeping it about the art or about the music um and across the board like i just the fact the fact that we can spend our time doing what we love to do regardless of our situation or how it's going to turn out a year from now the fact mm -hmm. that we can devote this much time to it is as good as it gets in my opinion yeah and i think that makes us um not as uh intentional about being so discerning or you know having such a prejudice against you know talent levels or experience levels we're very much interested in working with anybody that's very interested and passionate about their own music because that inspires us and motivates us to keep doing what we're doing if people are, are interested in taking their stuff to the next level, whether it's marketing or really finally recording these songs that they've written, 
uh, or just remastering old stuff that they've done that the fact that they care enough to do that really, you know, inspires us to keep doing that. So it's, I don't know that we're all that discriminatory. <laughs> sure, no, I totally <laughs> get it. Yeah, at this stage, nor would nor would it make sense to be. But we have no desire to to be turning people away. We just want to be of use to them. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you know, over the years, I've found myself being a bit of uh, an open door, I guess, again mm -hmm. to like whoever needs help. Mm -hmm. But and not to go down like a negative path. But there's definitely like been people that have either taken advantage of it or mm -hmm. people that have just not been really super serious about mm -hmm. what they want to do. Like because I think that maybe you've come to find this already. It's like even though you're providing a service for other people, they still need to put in a certain amount of <laughs> yeah. work in order for it to be like successful. Like you can't mm -hmm. do everything, right? Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes it's really hard to tell that you're in a situation like that until it's too late. You yeah, know? And right. like shit, now right. I have to pick up all these to pieces. That point, I, we don't want to come across <laughs> as naive either. Yeah, yeah. We've certainly run into our fair share of you know, it's not clients gonna that don't necessarily work out um <laughs> it's not gonna take long to right. find them um, yeah well I, I think to that point it's i think we've kind of adopted a mindset now of it's really on their timeline mm -hmm. like we're gonna be here but it's still up to you guys to mm. like push the project because there's plenty of other things that we can be doing but if you guys want to make it a priority we will too mm -hmm. yeah it's like it's interesting because i think sometimes especially in uh, modern social media driven marketing, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the face of the project is like really the face of the project. There's only so much that people behind the scenes mm -hmm. can do for them. But if the person isn't like at least somewhat charismatic and able to attract an mm -hmm. audience, you know, and right. willing to engage the audience, right? It's going to be really, really hard to, let's like, okay, what does this person have to offer? What, what are you? Right. If you're not engaging. And yeah, and like we said, the the creating of the art and or helping people pursue their art is fun and it is inspiring, but it's still a business <laughs> for us at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were kind of having a similar talk about that only in relation to to gigs. Like people just assume that if you play gigs, you must want to perform 24 seven and like pick up a guitar and play us something for free. And so <laughs> <laughs> to what extent it's hard to find that line sometimes between this is our job, you know, music. And we do it for an expression of art and, a, and it's a self-expression thing. It's like finding that line. It's often kind of blurred sometimes for us and for other people. They just assume that we live and breathe music 24-7. It's like sometimes because we do live and breathe, sometimes we need a, an escape and a break from it. Um, so in that way, it is a business. Um, and I think people don't often realize it is, they think it's just sort of like a hobby and if it doesn't work out, then who cares? We'll, yeah. You know, there's always that really interesting thing where how as a, an up and coming artist, you get the people in your immediate circle to take you seriously, mm. because it's almost, you know, I find that at least in my personal experience, I always had a hard time getting the people that were closest to me when I was starting out to take me seriously. Right. Because it's like. Like, what are you doing? And like, mm -hmm. again, I'm a dinosaur. So this was before like we had Instagram and shit, right? Mm -hmm. So it was ridiculous. Like I was the only kid in my high school that was able to make beats. Mm -hmm. But like nobody like really took it seriously. There wasn't like the local music scene is a lot. At least it feels a lot more 
uh, inviting than it was when I was younger. But maybe I don't know how much of that is like a fact or just my ignorance of how to access mm -hmm. that open door, if you will. Right. And uh, I found that when I was, you know, able to get in to start playing shows and meeting people and putting myself out there, it became like a whole different thing. It was like I spent all this time learning how to write songs and record songs. I don't have the same amount of time to learn into like marketing and putting myself mm -hmm. out there. And right. it became like a whole nother journey. Like I wish I would have like tacked them on both at the same time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there was no like infrastructure for like, promoting yourself as a local musician that I could grasp at that time right. because I didn't have like Instagram already. Like maybe with, you know, the two of you, like I'm sure social media was a little bit more of something that you were aware of and were, had access to prior to like, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to start to do music. It's like, mm -hmm. well, maybe I already have an Instagram account or a Twitter right. or whatever. And like, I understand how I can use these tools to get out there and meet new mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Right. And to that point, I think we're still finding people, even with the existence of all these new channels and, and avenues for marketing yourself, we're still finding people of all generations that want to devote their time fully to recording um, or writing and don't really, you know, have the wherewithal or knowledge or insight as to how to take it, you know, to the marketing route. Um, so that's, I think, what we are offering to, to d different artists is we understand that it takes up most of your time, particularly if you have a full-time job or if you're in school as a student or whatever the case may be, that you want to devote all your spare time to writing and recording. And then we can kind of give at least tips or yeah. know, take do a lot of the legwork for marketing um, because sometimes people just can't be bothered and understandably so because it's mm -hmm. to do it effectively, even with all the new available options. And it, it is like an art in itself to do that well yeah. and effectively. Yeah. I feel that there's like a level of patience that we need to exercise while mm. when promoting our content. And I feel like it's real easy to just want to go like like all cylinders going full mm. force. But I find that like there's like a a dramatic supply and demand when you're a new artist. It's like your stuff might be good, but nobody's asking for it yet. And if mm. you're just like pummeling everybody in that close circle like i was talking mm -hmm. about with and it, it goes on for like they're not days, only they're not going to take you seriously it's like they're going to get sick of it right and right. then it's like okay well how do you extend past that circle then mm -hmm. it's it's a lot easier now with the internet to like you can i could have a whole music career and nobody in my immediate circle would even need to know about it right sure. yeah <laughs> right you know yeah. do yeah. you do you find that it's easier to work on promoting other people's content over your own definitely yeah <laughs> it's on, on all accounts what like do you think that's about getting all of that i don't know if it's a personality thing it's a good question or like in other words if it'd be different for somebody who's less self-aware uh but i i just think it is regardless of personality i think you're able to look at any other artist or any other person with a more objective impartial perspective uh, and see what they have that works and what they have that's marketable where it's to identify that in yourself it's like eh, is that what people like about what we're doing or is that, sure. is that sticking with people it's hard to kind of nail down what's working and what's not 
uh, you're very aware of what's probably not working. (laughs) (laughs) But other people are like, okay, they have, this is what their strengths are. And then you kind of push that in marketing. Um, Whether it's, even it's a song that they just come out with like, okay, here's how to market that song. Where it's like you're, if you went through the whole process yourself of making your own song and writing in the in months of production and everything, it's like you, you you've lost track of how to instinctively market it because it's like I don't even remember <laughs> what we're doing because we're two in the <laughs> weeds here. But if someone presents a song to you, like okay, I know exactly what to do with this because it it speaks for itself, and mm. we weren't as in the weeds as they probably were with it. So yeah, I found that that's always the one of the 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 double ended swords of wearing all of these hats Mm -hmm. is that um it's really easy for me to give advice to people if they ask it i don't operate a consulting firm or anything Mm -hmm. like that i just have an inbox that people like to ask me questions and Mm -hmm. and i'll answer them because i'm a kind person Mm -hmm. but (laughs) i find that like i'll give people advice and i'll catch myself and i'm like that's really damn good advice Mm -hmm. but then whenever it comes to putting out my own album or my own song. I'm like a deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what what that <laughs> is either. Other than, and it makes more sense to me to like do that for other people, just because I'm a fan of other people, and, and to it almost seems like it's probably human nature to feel sure. like a bit pretentious and self-involved to do that for yourself, and then you worry that people aren't going to take you seriously if it's like, look at what we've done and. It kind of seems overly prideful, mm-hmm. but to do it for other people, it's like it's a win-win. We're doing it for them, so it doesn't look pretentious for them, and that's what they get out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there's part of it. It helps if like, like if somebody opens a restaurant across the street mm-hmm. and they're standing outside, like, "Come check out my food. It's the best food around." Right. I'm gonna be. That's a little sus. Right. But if my neighbor's like, "Have you gone over there? It's really good. I'm True, probably right. gonna go over there right away." Right. Yeah. So you almost need like a third party third to party, vouch yeah. for you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that works, yeah, like you say, with all industries too. So you don't want to, but it, it, you do have to do it yourself. Like, so it's, it's, it's yeah, finding it, that balance of we want to believe in ourselves and show people that we believe in ourselves and promote it, particularly if we're not going to hire other people <laughs> to, to do it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you want to find that balance. You know, I've found that a lot of people that are in the arts in general come from maybe more of an introverted background and not necessarily extroverted, social, community-driven people. And I'm always interested when I talk to people like you who come come up in the church and maybe a more social background, mm-hmm. did you find those sort of like, do you find yourself to have any introverted qualities or because of the way that you grew up, is it not or is that a weird thing? I mean, you're an artist, so it's, it's probably weird. It's, yeah, <laughs> we're all weird. It, it, yeah, no, it's definitely an, an introverted thing. Even, yeah, even in familiar communities like my church, I was sort of the quiet one in in the rehearsals and everything. Um, and many people would attest to that. It's just, uh, and even speaking in sort of like a monotone voice, as I tend to do, in a very reserved way, um, people are like when they hear me sing, it's like, that's not the same person. So it's, it's very much, I keep to myself socially to your point. Um, and I wonder if Zach would say the same thing about, about himself, but, but when it comes to music, it sort of brings something else out that, uh, I find happens with a lot of artists probably. So, but I don't know if he had a similar yeah, I think, <laughs> analysis. I think for me, it was kind of the same thing, but from a different place. Um, like, in my social circle when i was a kid 
nobody was into the things that I was into, like any of music or like wood stuff going outside, skiing, skateboarding, like all of that. I didn't have any, like all my family friends, none of them were into that. So I ended up doing stuff on my own all the time anyways. Yeah. So I think that kind of became internalized and I ended up acting more that way in social situations because I got so used to doing it myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that I, I relate a lot with where you're coming from in terms of I was an only child and growing up, uh, you know, small family, single mother. Um, I really just had like, you know, my friends were like MTV and my Sega Genesis, right? Like, right. so that was what I like dove into. And then, you know, I, I guess I kind of blossomed in high school because I met other kids that had weird heavy metal t-shirts on and, you know, mm -hmm. we hang out at lunch together and all that. And, uh, but there's always been this part of me that like, it's made my like art because I started like writing songs and doing all that stuff by myself. Mm -hmm. And it was always really hard for me to share any part of that process as I got older. Right. And even if it was like asking somebody for help with like promoting something or asking somebody to help me make a music video or do an album cover, like it took me a really long time to be comfortable with like putting my art in the hands of other people. Mm -hmm. And I imagine it could be really hard sometimes to, it's like the opposite end. There's like people that expect you to do everything for them mm -hmm. and like that's ugh. but then there's like, people that you really want to help but they're so like it's like they they come to you for help but then it's like they don't actually let you help them right. yeah so they're that's so it. convinced and, of what they want yeah and that, they're like oh you really just want validation yeah like, yeah it's almost like why yeah. did you even come to me for right you just assistant? want me to give you a thumbs up and say yeah you're doing it right and <laughs> mm -hmm. you know do you think that there's ever going to be a point with the two of you in your in the future where you may want to seek the services of somebody that kind of does the stuff that you do but for your own art have you ever considered that i've thought about that as far as mixing goes like when i was learning especially i was really curious and i still might just for fun um hire somebody to mix something that i'm mixing like it's my job i'm hired to mix something and i would i think it'd be kind of funny to try and hire somebody else and then compare the two sure um just just for my own interest and to see how I, we add up to mm -hmm. other people that are doing the same thing mm -hmm. um but i think for our original stuff that that could be something that would be interesting to try out mm -hmm. yeah we've even talked about like for our own our own stuff to rent it out of studio space even though we have all the equipment to record everything ourselves that's mm -hmm. how we did this first original is just in our house uh, with all the equipment that we have we thought maybe for future projects once in a while rent a studio and then you know i on my end kind of reach out to different people to see how we can market like with podcasts yeah and different things uh things that i don't have the resources necessarily necessarily to do myself yeah lean on other people for you know that kind of networking and getting out there in terms of taking our marketing to the next level in ways that i can't just do by myself so in that way, it, it does, like Zach was saying, it kind of strengthens what we're doing if we kind of, uh, you know, see what other people are doing and get them involved in our original right. stuff mm -hmm. and it can help other areas. Of yeah, I think it's important. It would, it would almost maybe be like hypocritical if you didn't. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would worry it would come across like that. But at the same time, I think people, it's almost like uh, going to a conference and, you know, 
it's not that you mm-hmm. don't know enough already if you, in, in your field, if you go seek the counsel of, you know, other experts in your field, it's just that you're trying to hone the skills that you want to offer other people. Yeah. So. You know, in the past, you know, I record a lot of my own projects as well, but in the past I've really been into working with other engineers and other studio spaces because mm-hmm. like if I'm tracking vocals on something, I don't want to be like, trying to put my heart and soul into something and then go over like click stop delete yep. okay and then back in, <laughs> right. like, i i want to just like get lost in the sauce right and mm-hmm. it's you can't do that if you're trying to do two different things mm-hmm. at the same time trying to engineer be the ear and be the voice mm-hmm. it's it's too much i mean i know some people that can do it and they're great at it mm-hmm. but for me i definitely prefer having that extra person in the room to be like terrible job do it again or right. to be like these takes have sounded the same for the past 10 minutes let's just <laughs> stop right i think that's maybe what helps a little bit with there being not only two of us um but also that we come from a little bit different backgrounds and skill sets um he can sort of play the role of the, you know the producer in our recording and even when we're going over stuff for for gigs um and then i can kind of look at the same production process from a from a marketing you know how marketable is this part of of the song or how marketable yeah. is you know how can we mm-hmm. make it a little bit more have mass appeal or something so like i'm curious like how much of that can kind of this is going to be an, an aggressive word to use but i'm going to use it how much of that mindset can like infect the songwriting process mm-hmm. if you're always thinking about like the marketability of something rather than just letting not saying that you are mm-hmm. but in an event that you do instead of just letting the song become whatever it's going to become. Right. I struggle with this too. I'm always thinking in the back of my mm-hmm. head. Like, I guess when I say marketable, I mean more like to make it appealing for our brand. Sure. You know, we have a specific feel that we're going for often and we want to stay true to things that we like and we believe in it. And we don't want to just do something for, um, for marketability per se but we want it to be something that we believe in that makes sense yeah Uh, each element Mm -hmm. has to be something that we believe in and doesn't you know can't come across as cheesy or overdone yeah Um, and in that way it makes it marketable if we really really believe in each (laughs) minor element Uh it's i I always uh compare like food and music a lot and uh okay uh, your 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 catalog of music is almost like a like an album a track listing is like a menu mm-hmm. at a restaurant and this restaurant has a lot of different food but it all like fits into some degree of a place right, right. and then mm-hmm. like if your live set for example is maybe the menu maybe that because like items are going to come and go songs are going to mm-hmm. come and go you're going to write mm-hmm. new songs switch things out and uh but it all still has that feel because like it kind of sucks if you find a restaurant that you like and like some restaurants do this where they like Mm. they change it like too much and you come back and you're like what the hell all my Mm. all my favorite songs are gone and Mm. these new songs that are on the menu don't sound anything like the old songs why am i even here what's it's a dangerous game it is and it's interesting that you say that um we've had this sort of more musically philosophical uh conversation before and particularly as it pertains to us as a duo about the um how obsolete kind of genre is um, or should be maybe because everyone asks like oh what what kind of artists do you want to be or are you and it's like you mean if you're talking about genre i don't know if we would put ourselves in a particular box nor are we interested to do so and we would 
the first album that we end up completing, we would want to be super eclectic so that we don't run into that future of, oh, well, this doesn't sound like their past stuff or anything. Right. We're not interested in having a sound or a genre because we have very eclectic, super eclectic music taste. And I think most people do. So that's the kind I of agree. stuff that we want to to produce. Um, and first of all, that makes for a good producers. If you're if you have eclectic <laughs> taste, that means you'll be able to produce yeah. a variety of stuff. But we're not interested in in artists that put themselves in a box, and we're not interested in doing that either. And I think that kind of frees us up down the road. Yeah, bums me out. There's artists like, are you familiar with Chromio? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're like a they do like funk yeah. and. Okay. Uh, They've been putting out music for well over a decade, and they're great. Um, they're really, really uh, entertaining. They write good songs. Great. They self-produce everything, and they have like a YouTube channel, and they'll do like studio breakdowns of their Cubase and Pro Tool sessions, talking Cubase. about like uh, how they like uh, do um, like all their layering and what effects they're using and how they produce stuff. It's very interesting, and I love keeping up with them. But their music is fundamentally been exactly the same since day one mm-hmm. like they the music that they put out last year sounds like it could have been on the album that they put out 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it kind of bums me out because it makes it hard for me to get excited about them putting out new material mm-hmm. like oh they release a new song and before i even click play i'm like i know what this is going to be it's going to be really good but i've heard it mm-hmm. right and like that's why it's always exciting when there's artists who kind of throw a curveball like saint vincent put out a new album just a couple weeks ago that's like like a it's like a 70s style record and the mm-hmm. last album that she put out sounded more like an 80s new wave thing mm-hmm. and the album before that was like this weird experimental almost mm-hmm. progressive rock thing it's mm-hmm. like every album something is different it all sounds like her and what she's doing but it's like i can get excited because i, I never know what's going to mm-hmm. happen right yeah i think that's something uh with the advent of social media um i think now a lot of people get more connected to the artist as a person. Um, So like artists that are getting popular are getting popular because they're popular on social media or they do these live stories or whatever, stuff like that. You get more connected to the person. So you're excited about what they're doing, regardless of what it is. Yeah. Um, Instead of it being, of course, like there's still going to be service level. Oh, heard it on the radio. It's a cool song. And then you get into it. Um, But I think, even I, I know that I do this is I'll hear a song and I'll be interested in it, go check out the artist and then dive down this rabbit hole of who they are and where they've been and what they've done. And then I feel like I know them as a person. And I think that's something that you didn't get um, before social media as much. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I prefer it now or prefer the uh ignorance is bliss sort of mentality right. in terms of yeah. digesting art it's like i think sometimes and maybe it's just because like i'm from a dif- different generation and i grew up digesting art differently but i feel like a lot of stuff now is just too much like i have an incredibly wide taste in music and art and television and all this stuff but if every single person that i follow is doing live videos and live streams and this and that every day how i can't keep up with all it's just it's too much and also with like the way artists release things now for example there's a band called gojira heavy metal band good band i like Mm -hmm. them nice guys and they put out an album this year and i was really excited about it but they released five 
five singles, like almost half of the album, I had already heard before the album came mm, out. That's, yeah. So by the time the album comes out, it's like album release day. And it's like, oh, wait, I've I heard, heard that song yeah. six months ago. And that it's like mm -hmm. it kills the excitement of like, oh, I have an hour of music to listen to from a band that I really admire. Mm -hmm. Right. But I totally get the business perspective why that why they're doing that. I just right. wish that we I don't know how or what happened that got us into this mindset where a band feels that it's necessary to release half of their album before it comes out. Yeah. But something happened because mm -hmm. that's right. everybody does it. I know. And it's going back to like the St. Vincent thing too. That people always talk about there's not going to be like another, thanks to social media, like another Pink Floyd that had all this mystery kind of an intrigue mm. that they were able to build just by existing. And then you, and then the only time you really saw them is if you went to one of their concerts like and then they went back and just you know yeah into a cave and did their recording and then that was it you didn't see them hardly on interviews or anything so gone are those days but at the same time i think this level of exposure would allow saint vincent to evolve as much as as is possible because you're not building a loyalty then on your sound you're building a loyalty on your exposure and your personality to Zach's point and the, your artistry that becomes what builds the following, not so much just the one sound that mm -hmm. you decided you're going to stick with. Um, so I think that is one benefit of, of this over, maybe not overexposure, but the, the possibility to have that out there a little bit more uh, for each artist is to get, you know, build a fan base on things that aren't just, our sound you know maybe it's personality maybe it's here's where we're going next and kind of building intrigue in in different ways mm -hmm. but the thing that's cool too about like somebody like saint vincent is that like i feel that like maybe you know she's just very fortunate because she's been reasonably relevant in the indie rock and mm -hmm. underground music community for like over a decade now right but it's like i think that like it's nice i think for somebody like her to, to get to a point where like she can you know, reinvent herself, put out this album, promote it, tour it, and then she can almost do that Pink Floyd disappear. Mm -hmm. Or like you don't see her really of a hole hear it. from her for right. a couple, for like maybe a year or two. Right. And then the next thing, a song comes out and they're like, oh, this is what the fuck she's doing right. now. Really cool. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I feel like that's like the, the place where like I would like to be personally as an artist mm -hmm. is like, you know, whenever we're around the time of releasing something like i'm all about being out there and doing whatever i can to serve the bigger purpose of this album or this single or whatever but like over the past year and all the pandemic stuff i got into like doing like live streams and mm. twitch and all this extracurricular stuff because there was nothing else to do and it just like didn't gel with me i hate going on like instagram live with like no real purpose or like yeah. being like well i'm in the studio so now you can hang out and i'll have my screen capture going while i mix this demo and like mm -hmm. it's cool maybe some people were interested in it but i like prefer that in the shadows right. i don't mm -hmm. like finding some way to sort of like monetize every second of my day to stay relevant in the public right. eye. Right. I, I agree with you. And I wonder, I've thought about this before and I wonder if that is sort of an unfortunate luxury to, I, I mean, in the sense that it's unfortunate that it has to be a luxury to have that kind of freedom to just say, no, uh, you know, I'm going to yeah. lay low and build intrigue because you almost have to have, have a following 
big enough that you have mm-hmm. the freedom to do that. I'm sure, a hundred percent sure that there's many artists who can't be bothered and don't want to do the level of exposure that they're involved with. But it's like, do they have a choice? You know, I, I saw some some interview a couple years ago where like Mick Jagger put on some social media media video of him like rehearsing for a concert and you know dancing around a room, and people are like, "What is this? <laughs> you would never have dreamed that the Rolling Stones would have been doing that like, <laughs> yeah. a couple of decades ago." But that made me think like, does he want to be doing that, or is that like the advice that he's getting to be like to stay relevant and build some sort of excitement for getting younger people out yeah. on this tour? You know, I don't know. My point is, I don't know how much people. uh, There'd probably be a lot of artists who prefer to do the Pink Floyd thing. Is my point, but I don't know if they have the luxury to be able to. Yeah. To do that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting just starting out as an underground artist in the realm of like this time frame where there isn't really a place that people go in terms of like a social media platform just mm-hmm. to engage with music. Mm-hmm. You know, all you really have is like a Spotify or Apple music, or if you're like bougie title, like whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever you use. Right. <laughs> but all those places are basically just CD stores are not really social media mm-hmm. places. You right. know, I always think about every time I go on the Spotify and there's like the, the billboard on the top that's promoting whatever, whoever paid to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's no different than, you know, when I was in high school and I'd walk into a CD store and there's a big cardboard cutout of, you know, Eminem or whatever. And I'm like, right. oh, okay, this is what this is. Like, I'm going to walk past that and dig through the racks and try to find something weird. Right. Mm-hmm. But like digging through the digital rack is a lot harder to do. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like it's not as, uh, I don't know. I don't. I try not to romanticize CD stores and things like that because I don't really think <laughs> it's that much different nowadays. Yeah. It just feels different for me just because... Mm-hmm. Mm, I have physical. that I have that experience of right. like you know uh being familiar with like record labels and like if I see that a label put something out and I've never heard of it I might buy it just because mm-hmm. I know that label put it out right but right. now on Spotify it's more like I guess playlists and trying to find tastemakers that you trust or mm-hmm. trust your release radar right. if you if you're mm-hmm. active enough on spotify that it'll like mm-hmm. the algorithm will pump good up. stuff out mm-hmm. to you um you know in terms of that luxury mm-hmm. and putting stuff out on your own on your own time frame how are the two of you dealing with uh like uh, accommodating your life into introducing all of this stuff into it as part of the routine and making this a daily thing, whether it's promoting the marketing stuff or promoting your own music or promoting other people's music. Do you uh, find that all of the social and marketing aspects of it can be a little overbearing at times, or do you think you have a healthy relationship with it? I'd say it's fairly healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think... Um something we got really lucky on is we were both kind of doing this stuff before we started working together. So we already used to doing it. Like I've been recording from before we started working together. Mm-hmm. You've been marketing for longer than I've been out of high school. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think the fact that we've both been doing it anyways, made it, it just made sense when we started, um, because we were already doing it. And the fact that now I can say, okay, now I don't have to think about marketing for the next 12 hours because Jordan's thinking about it and he yeah. doesn't have to think about the music. So I'm thinking about it. We can kind of separate. And um, I think that allows us to be better at what we do on both sides. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I would say the same thing. Plus, you know, this past, since the beginning of this year, we've been uh, roommates, which has really helped get this thing off, off on, on its feet on firmly. And uh, it really allows us to bounce things off each other in terms of, you know, vision for the future. We even started calling, you know, when we first started this whole endeavor, we started calling ourselves a label and then just having be the freedom to have daily conversation about it sort of evolved. We're like, well, we're not actually a label. Mm-hmm. We're, we're more of a, a service, a studio that can market, you know, mar- so a music and marketing studio is really essentially what it is. My point is just having that kind of closeness allows us to really get a firm vision um, and a firm plan forward for social media, for recording, for our brand. Um, and I think it would be really challenging since we have so many different things that we're trying to be involved in uh, to have started all of that in separate, you know, yeah. cities or whatever. But now that we have a firm footing, um, we feel much more confident in seeing, you know, letting letting it play out however it does. Do you find that... Have you worked with any, like... I imagine you've worked with individuals. Have you worked mm-hmm. with any groups... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find that there's a dynamic difference with trying to work with a group of people versus an individual? Especially when they haven't picked a leader. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, we There's an instrumental band um, that we are technically still working with. Um, they just moved to Nashville. Um, some of them, I think all of them, I'm not sure. Um, but when we came to logistical things, it was like, Okay, I told him, did he tell everybody else? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And then them doing the same thing back and forth. Um, I think if you're in a group, like I get the whole like everybody's got an even say in it, but somebody still, I think, should take the lead. And I think that really moves things along is when everybody knows like this is the person that's going to talk to them and we all agree with what, like we've all talked about it. They know what we believe, what we stand on, and they'll handle that transaction. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like this thing of uh being very passive and just waiting for somebody else right. to do it <laughs> really can like set your band back so much and you mm-hmm. may not even realize it, you mm-hmm. know. Um that's the 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 number one issue I've always found with things not working out with bands it's not because that they're not good at what they do or they can't get gigs it's something as simple as they don't know how to talk to each other mm-hmm. or does it keep each other on the same page right mm-hmm. it's probably different in each group dynamic um because we've also at least you know i've noticed different individuals because it's just themselves they get so in their head and they can't really decide which even with one song which which route to take and they second guess themselves and keep fine tuning it and then it never you know it just prolongs the whole process where in a healthier group dynamic maybe you know as a band maybe there's such a cohesion there that oh yeah they have they have such a clear idea of what they want to sound like where they want to go what they want to be that things just got kind of get banged mm-hmm. out much more quickly whereas you'd think it'd be the opposite in some sense whereas like an individual is only one person involved so it'd be much easier to get that stuff pushed out but it's like even myself it's like i get so in my head sometimes with with second guessing and that yeah. lack of confidence sometimes if you just have a group dynamic even one other person to bounce stuff off of things get done accomplished mm-hmm. much more quickly because mm-hmm. you have a clear sense of what to do i've brought 
up the point that I'm going to make like an exhausting amount of times on this show. So I apologize. Uh, anybody that's tired of hearing me talk about this, feel free to smack me the next time you see me. But I always think about like the issue with trying to do so much yourself is if like you put your, you've 100% of yourself to give as a person. Right. And if you put, you make a pie chart, right. And then mm. you start thinking about all the things that you want to do. You have fucking twenty things on that list. Mm -hmm. Realistically, mm -hmm. the most that you can, if you everything's getting even attention, that's like, well, everything's getting five percent of my time. We have yeah. a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, how do you figure out like in your one hundred percent, like what do you want to dedicate stuff to, and more importantly, like what do you want to take completely off of this, and how can you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, get somebody else to help you out with that stuff? Mm -hmm. And that was a big problem for me for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Is just like finding people that. I can trust to like put my art into their hands that are like, you know, nowadays it's not so much like who, who I can trust, but like mm -hmm. who actually cares. Right. Cause like you can, you know, it's not really hard to, if you have the money, mm -hmm. you can go down that road. Like I know bands that dump a lot of money into people that don't give a shit about their art. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to tell my friends that I'm like, you're just <laughs> giving your money to people that don't care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, but like finding those people that actually right. care is like, that's a lot harder than paying somebody a shit ton of money to do something for right. you. Mm -hmm. To your point, yeah, about deciding, you know, how much of yourself to give to any, especially if you're involved in too much. That was a fear of mine initially when we started. It's like, okay, we have the gigs and the business and now our original stuff and mm -hmm. we're trying to help other artists. And it's, but I've found over these past six months or so that that, evolution and progression of like that pie chart of which sliver is getting the most attention is much more natural than I anticipated. In other words, it's constantly changing. Um, in like January and February, the business was like number one priority and we, the other stuff didn't kind of, cause it needed to be. Yeah. And the other stuff kind of took a back seat, but now the business kind of picked up steam. So we are, it allowed us to kind of bring the, our attention up to the other areas of, of what we want to do. So it ended up kind of working itself out in terms of how much attention and priority we were able to give. And I kind of expect that to be the case for the next however many years we end up doing this is we'll kind of sense instinctively which area is needing our time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Depending on which season it happens to be in. And I don't think, to your point, I think it'd be unrealistic for us to say, we know we have to give 100% that we don't have yeah. to every area uh, all the time because it's not going to happen. It's not mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. yeah. But you kind of sense which area needs a little bit of TLC to keep them all really successful. Yeah, it's almost like within within the pie chart, it's like a, a, a seven-layer burrito of mm -hmm. different pie charts. And right. mm -hmm. you got to work through like, which layer you're chewing on mm -hmm. at this time. Right. You know, so there's like the, the business pie chart, the original music pie chart and these things and it's just like well right. for this next two weeks three weeks two months whatever like we're not even looking at that thing because right. mm -hmm. you know that's just not yeah. it can't be a focus right now i think now that we've like had the time to put um a lot into each individual thing um we we can now it's you get it to a point where it kind of manages itself mm -hmm. and you can say okay that's happening we can do something else and put all of our time into it yeah, and then go back to it and it's still going to be there. Cause like when you're first starting out, it's like, well, if you jump too quick, then that's just going to fall off and it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think that's 
super useful to put in like say two months into something like I want to start this business or I want to start this new hobby, put two months into it and don't do any of the other things that you were doing. And you can go, you can always go back to it. Once you've started, once you've hit that point of I've done this, I know how to do it and people trust that I can do it, then it's never going to go away. Yeah. I find that it's really helpful too. Like if you're managing a, a bunch of different things to kind of have like a loose timetable of like when you're going to be focusing on things and planning in advance. Like I have a, a band that's getting ready to put out an EP in July and, but we're releasing like a music video for the EP at the start of next month. And like, this is all stuff that's been done for three or four months. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of like, you know, giving ourselves enough time to do things enough in advance. So when we're doing the rollout, it's not like this big rushed thing. And yeah. now everything in that project right now is like, I have nothing. I don't have to think about that project for two weeks, but mm. I could focus on everything else. And it's a lot healthier because then whenever it's time to focus on that, it's okay, cool. Everything is in place because I did all this work mm-hmm. a couple months ago. But right. I know sometimes if like, you don't have that scattered, like you're not, you don't have 10 things to focus on. You're only focusing on your one project. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to kind of rush it and overwork the dough mm-hmm. to some degree because you're just like trying to do too, too right. much. Mm-hmm. So almost it's like a benefit sometimes I've found mm-hmm. of having so much to do because sometimes like distracting yourself and leaving something go for a couple weeks is actually better for it in the long run. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think we found that with the original song. I mean, yeah. that process started literally in January of the nugget of the idea and then literally just like we told you got released on may 12th and yeah that time in between it's not like we did nothing with it every week or so we'd we'd be adding to it and kind of thinking of ideas for it but we there's probably a healthier way to go about it because we had so many other irons in the fire yeah uh, particularly in other areas of music and working with other people um that allowed us to take a bunch of steps back periodically and then revisit it which brought up a healthy sort of space yeah that we were able to perfect it at least yeah and yeah yeah, like going back to your point of like finding that like healthy way to attack things on your pie chart at different Mm -hmm. times like that's been the easiest thing for me because i know that whenever i'm working on a song i don't i very rarely work on the same song two days in a row Mm -hmm. i find that it's best to just work on it forget about it mm-hmm. and move on to something else right. mm-hmm. which is really hard to do when everything else that i'm doing is on the same computer that that session's on <laughs> you right. know like i have exactly. access to these things it's not like oh i leave the studio that i'm working with such and such and i'm not coming back until next mm. week it's it's right there right. like i'm i'm up at one in the morning staring at the ceiling thinking about it you know and right. i could easily just come in here and work on it mm-hmm. but having so much other stuff to do unintentionally ends up distracting me long enough to for it to mm-hmm. end up becoming a natural process where mm-hmm. I'm not really even thinking about it mm-hmm. now where it's like, oh, shit, I actually almost forgot about that thing right. that I did on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Let's open it up and see what it, it sounds like today on Saturday. Yeah, it clears your head because you don't want to be obsessed with it because then it won't turn out. You'll become obsessed with it to the point where nothing sounds good about it. And I, you know, even with like videos that I've had to edit and stuff, I... They, I've heard marketing people, particularly you know, video editors, say a, a video is never done in the eyes of the editor because you could. There's always something you mm-hmm. want to change, and you, mm-hmm. you never even want to look at it like a year later because you're like, oh, I should have done this, this, and yeah. That. Right. And it's the same thing with music, I think. But it's it's what really helps 
yield a much better project that you're proud of is giving it that space yeah. and not obsessing over it week to week or day to day mm-hmm. uh, and focusing on a bunch of other things, um, whether it's other projects or just other areas of your life, um, allows a much healthier approach in the long run. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of musicians run into even when they're starting out a song and they're not sure where they want to take it take it somewhere and see if you like it don't stare at it and wait for the perfect thing to come to mind Mm -hmm. like that's something that i was very intentional about when i started recording music was pick something and record it make the song listen to it and if you don't like it change it but don't wait and be like oh that's not perfect i'm not going to record it oh that's not perfect i can't record that just record it and then you'll know what you don't like when you hear it back three days later like set out time to do it do it and say ah, that was that was all right and then come back to it a couple days later i think that as far as workflow that really really speeds things along yeah i think too as an artist you have to be okay with things not working out yeah you know like every script isn't turned into a movie Mm -hmm. right and like sometimes you're just gonna have bad ideas Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to hear it but sometimes it's just not gonna happen you know Mm -hmm. usually the the songs that we end up loving the most are those ones that come very few and far between, but it's like the ones that just kind of plot mm. together, right? Mm. You don't, because it's coming from a very genuine, natural place. You either write it quick or it gets recorded quickly, or maybe it's a video that you're editing. It's like you just put everything on the timeline, you edit it, you don't overthink about like all the different cuts or angles. Mm. It's like this works, this is it. And then don't digest looking back into mm. all the other things. And yeah. so it's like I try really hard to like, work on it seems like so counterproductive mm-hmm. but like working on things like as little and as quickly as possible but at the same time like being confident enough with my voice as an artist to know that like this is right mm-hmm. right because like i've been doing this for so long that i know that this is gonna work out and this is not like saying something is good enough because like but just knowing like this is mm-hmm. this is this mm-hmm. is good enough you know it's like it's really heartbreaking putting, you know, hours upon hours of something into the, uh, something that's three and a half minutes long and maybe right. other people aren't going to engage with everything. It's like mm-hmm. you have to give it the right amount of time for it to be good, but how much is too much? Right, um, that's right. probably different for everybody. Yeah, I think it's super important as well to a lot of like everyone. Pra- like if you're a musician, you practice what you do um, as far as recording goes people tend to practice the part that they want to do, but they end up not practicing finishing the song. Oh, yeah. And I think that's that's a huge problem, and that's why people never end up putting their music out is because they never finished something that they hated. And that's, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but um, you hit, you. there's some things, like you were saying, that just, it's a bad idea. It but if you practice getting through it and finishing it and being like that's the entire bad idea (laughs) and you can you can at least learn from it and you can reach the finish line if you never practice like if you don't practice getting to the finish you're never going to put out something you like that you put a reasonable amount of time into you know what i mean yeah i think too so i have a lot of a background in the realm of metal Mm-hmm. And something that I've found with a lot of metal artists that I've known and have collaborated with throughout the years is writing above their skill set. Mm-hmm. And maybe that happens sometimes with, say, like a vocalist or something that's like they are 
under the impression that they'll be able to figure it out in the studio. And it's like, this song is half done and you can't even play it. Mm -hmm. And like, sure, we can throw all this stuff through Melodyne or we can, you right. know, we can auto quantize <laughs> these drums. We can do stuff to make this sound good. But is mm -hmm. this like really what you want to do? Mm -hmm. And it ends up, you get this song that just doesn't sound genuine because it's like the person doesn't really know how to play it to a point where mm -hmm. it has that human feel in the performance and it just sounds right. like very robotic and that happens a lot um in metal and probably i imagine too in some elements of the hip-hop community and r&b and rap with like vocals and just like untrained voices they were just like mm -hmm. un um they're just not like where they want to be yet vocally right yeah i think things that you record should be very much a representation of where you are at the time. Yeah, or... And or, knowing what you can do and what you can't. Obviously, you should still work towards things that you can't do. Yeah. But if you're if you're putting out a statement, I think of art as kind of a statement of where you are at the time. Um, we, were just, we just had this whole conversation uh, the other day about what makes something dated. And we never, okay. we never really figured it out. But, um, theories, but yeah. I, instead of thinking that way, the what I kind of came to was um, thinking of art as a statement of that time. So like stuff that we know from another era of music is so that era of music that it's, it's stamp. Like it, that's what it is. So if you, even just for yourself, make your music or your art that you release more of a diary, then what you sh what you wish you were i think that makes it a lot more genuine sure i could definitely see that i think that you know recording what you're capable of and again just like writing what you're capable of it's like there's the issue i guess with like a lot of the guys in the metal scene is it's like their influence is like these shredders that can like mm -hmm. really rip and they're just yeah. not there yet but that's the kind of music that they want to make mm -hmm. and it's like it sucks it's like well maybe you just don't have the skill set to perform what you want to perform yet so maybe you're going to have to write some stuff that isn't quite what mm -hmm. you want to do yet but you got to learn how to write a song and get better at your instrument and work up to getting to that point of like this technical proficiency mm -hmm. that you want to do and sometimes people aren't patient enough with themselves to let things right. develop well yeah that's the other thing like people the everybody that we look up to has been doing it they've been releasing music for a really long time a lot of them and you can't you can't get to that point without doing it for that long yeah necessarily well that's even like somebody like billy eilish you know people mm -hmm. are like like who is this girl she came out of nowhere and like it's like you know, I had friends sending me YouTube Billie Eilish videos like five years ago. Right. And like, you know, it's like her and her brother have been working on music for almost a decade at this mm -hmm. point. It's like it, there's a lot of time that went into this. Sure, you're only hearing about it now. Right. But it's not like this is just some like studio engineered thing that came out mm -hmm. of nowhere. No, they were putting in the same amount of work in a room just as small and crappy as the one that you and your friends are probably doing stuff mm -hmm. out of now. Right. Yeah. And I think to the point about having patience with yourself and I think it's important to have confidence in yourself as an artist like we were talking about. Um, but I think there is an extra value of the collaboration, the collaborative effort of having someone to bounce something off of. It's huge. Um, whether you're no, not necessarily in an actual partnership with somebody, but maybe just bouncing some, someone off of, you know, something off of someone you respect. 
as another set of ears that can really fine tune your vision for a song or just who you, where you want to go as a as a yeah as an artist. Whereas it will cause you to obsess by yourself and get in your own head if you just kind of perfect it on your own. <laughs> That's that thing, you know. It's like everybody thinks that their baby is the cutest baby. Right. <laughs> it's just not the case all the time. I mean, sometimes yeah, it's a pretty cute baby, but. Sometimes. Not that you want to tell right. somebody their kid's ugly, but right. it might help just to be like, hey, maybe maybe the outfit that you have on that kid right. is not exactly not what ideal. it... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Right, well, not, that's, that's my point, too, is like we have brought nuggets of ideas to each other, even with this song that just came out. It was very much a collaboration that I think brought the best of each other out. Um, whereas, well, the fact that we even did it. Yeah. <laughs> like, the fact that I played done, him, yeah. like, I, I wrote this, the hook for it, and I was like, I hate this. I can't stand this. It sounds like something that I don't want to do. Interesting. All I can imagine is, uh, like, it sounds like a country hook. And I was like, I can't believe I just wrote a country hook. And I can't stand this. But he's like, well, let's finish it. And now it's the first song we put out. And so. as we were working on it, it was like, we were kind of giddy about how much we ended up loving the song. Yeah. <laughs> it started off not in that place, but I, you know, it took one of us to kind of see potential in it. And then we each brought, you know, different elements whether it was a verse here and there or you know other kinds of hooks that we added into it and different elements and that part was so engaging and fun because there was that other person to you know veto an idea that i had or Mm -hmm. or vice versa or you know take an idea that i had and run with it yeah so it made you know whereas before it was very much an individual process for me and it would be like oh i'm not finishing the song because i just you know hit a block with it this became, even though it took some time, uh, it was much more exciting to work on because you had somebody there who uh, shared a vision for where what the song should mm-hmm. be, and then knew how to. We knew how to help each other achieve that goal. Yeah, I think like neither right. of us had to bear the load, right? Necessarily, yeah, yeah. so we could each like, this is my part. I love this, but I don't know what to do with this, and I don't have to think yeah. about it because. It's we like can we were fill able in to, the gaps. Yeah. We were able to rescue each other every time one of us hit a block, which is something that I was relieved to have that I hadn't had before. So right. that collaboration in any form that it takes for artists, whether it's just finding a producer or someone to help with with marketing or just a friend of yours to bounce, send songs to, um, I think that, that collaboration, however loosely it's occurring, is invaluable. I mean, it's it's so helpful to the process. And... I just hate getting, having been there, I hate when artists get so stuck in their head. To your point, you know, at the start of this thing, they just let their music sit for years or or so and never do anything with it because they're the only ones who have heard it and have worked on it and don't believe in it necessarily or don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. But to have anybody just throw you some sort of feedback and collaboration is is huge. Mm -hmm. And I I think people shouldn't discount that. Yeah, it's hard. You know, you have a lot of artists that I think are sensitive sensitive mm. people yeah. and like maybe they don't want to be told that like something even if, even if they know it's not they don't maybe they they're not releasing it because they're not confident in it mm-hmm. but they don't have the confidence in themselves to take advice from somebody about like what could make it better i've right, right. i've been in bands with people like that and it's mm-hmm. like hard to uh crack that you know i can empathize with it but right some people i don't know just don't break out of it yeah and I, I think it helps to have someone else invested in it like when mm-hmm. i we i know we've both done things on our own where we're like eh, delete and it's just gone 
But the fact that we've both put time into it, you're like, ah, I have to do it now because I'm not the only one that cares about it. Yeah. Because to regardless of what either of us are thinking, we're always thinking, oh, well, they probably love this. So we have to we have to finish it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think having like as we've been saying, a third party um invested in the project pushes it to be done. Yeah. Because everybody's like, Okay, well, this is my part. And if you can let that go and say, Well, if you like it, then sure. Um I think that kind of narrows the gap between like having it done and showing it to everybody else. It definitely helps it helps so far keep each other accountable, but also in this like we were talking about band dynamics, I've noticed it has been helpful when we have been involved with projects that involve bands. I've noticed Zach has been like taking on the role of keeping them accountable if they're kind of all over the place <laughs> and don't have a leader, then it becomes that the producer is is the leader and saying, you know, reminding them of deadlines and kind of getting things on track of their vision um, that they've, you know, discussed with us. Um, so that's just more evidence of in any form that it takes. I think collaboration is so, so important. Um, whether it's just, you know, two of you or, you know, a producer in a band or, you know, your marketing person, it's just having someone else to get a different perspective, even Mm -hmm. it's just is can only do good things for what you want to accomplish. Yeah. I think it's also important to underline. It has to be like transparent collaboration. So you can't, you can't come into a, a group or a band or a producer artist scenario, um, and not be completely forthcoming with what you want. Like you can't try and manipulate it necessarily into like, oh, well, I know I want this, but I feel weird saying it. So I'm going to say all of these things and do all of these Mm. things to get it to happen without anybody actually knowing. Just say it and then it'll either get done or it won't. (laughs) Like Mm. the fact that you need to make a decision on it and it has to be open, um, I think is very important to getting anything done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Communication is key. Communication is really everything in life in general, even if you're not yeah. an artist. If you can't tell somebody what you're thinking or how you're feeling or what you want, how can you expect anybody to know what to what to give you, how to how to provide you mm-hmm. with whatever it is that you so desire. Mm-hmm. Right. What is the future and you're gonna write another country pop banger you're gonna you're gonna write a death metal song what's next ideally not another country one um i I think we have a couple of things that we still want to continue it's it's definitely um this newly formed duo entity which is high clear um and just we have a few more songs that each of us have done sort of separately that we want to see how they come together if we brought bringing that collaborative effort again back Mm -hmm. together since it went so well with the first song um, so that's definitely the next step with the original stuff. And then just continuing to see, like, I think one thing that the pandemic kind of helped or strengthened was the ability to do so much, um, particularly music, virtually. Um, a lot of people were already doing it themselves at home, but now we're finding that we can help people that ask for it um, in terms of, you know, producing or marketing from afar so we can do that virtually through you know facetime Mm -hmm. you know discussions or email or you know so many other avenues that we may not have entertained before so i think whatever happens in terms of our location um we definitely want to continue that as you know helping people not just specific to our current location but 
surrounding you know the region mm-hmm. or wherever else yeah. people that might yeah. be able to benefit so with digital recording now it's everybody can record um that was something we ran into for a little while we talked about moving to nashville and we're like well you could go two doors down and somebody's recording music. Yeah. Um, the thing, the flip side of that though, is um, being truly invested in the music negates the ability to record. And I think that's what a lot of um, studios run into with the way they market themselves. It's like, well, we can record, we can do all this. We have all these things to record. Everybody can record. And it's a lot of the albums that we end up liking aren't from the perfect environment in the perfect studio. Sure. Especially now. Um, I think that's what people get attached to is the reality of it. Like you can hear the cars going by in the background. You can hear the door closing. You can hear the dishes being done or something. All that kind of thing adds humanity to the record. Mm -hmm. Um, And being um, open to that, like as a producer, if someone's recording at home and they send it to me or vice versa, it's it's about the communication and the collaboration more than the ability to record nowadays, I think. Yeah, I think that, you know, if I was going out of my way to look for an engineer to work with to help me record one of my projects, it would need to be somebody that actually was interested on an artistic level and being mm-hmm. a part of this process, not just somebody that can push start and stop and right move has some things a really around. cool desk with a lot of faders on it. yeah 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 no i just i want to know like how much do you care like i don't even care if you're that good mm-hmm. like i would easily go to somebody that has maybe been recording for a year or two if they were like super into what i was doing over somebody that you know mm-hmm. was had been recording for 30 years and had the nicest console on planet earth but mm-hmm couldn't give two shits about me as an artist Mm -hmm. i think that's what again circling back to an earlier point what a huge benefit from a business standpoint for us is that we have such diverse eclectic music tastes i think it serves the types of clients that we're interested in having that there's nobody like i said that we would discriminate against in terms of genre yeah or talent um we just are so our bigger goal is to help in any way we can uh local artists um, achieve whatever they want to achieve. And I, that's more important than the genre or the talent level or how much experience they have. Um, if there's any way we can be involved in them expressing their art, um, that is the whole purpose of the business. So all are welcome in that sense. Hell yeah. 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 Well, as we round the station mm-hmm. and we decide to wrap up this conversation, we've taken up uh, about 80 minutes of everyone's time today. <laughs> so thank you all for hanging out and chilling. Jordan, Zach, why don't you let the fine people of the internet know where they can find you? All right. So as far as the our marketing, you know, guys, yes. tell, tell you all about that. <laughs> a couple, couple of things. Uh, first of all, Life Size Studios, that's the business that we have uh, that we mentioned several times that helps local artists uh, take their music and marketing to the next level. So that's lifesidestudios.com or you can find us on Facebook uh, and Instagram. Uh, it's lifeside is one word. Um, High Clear is a brand new entity that we're going to start releasing more uh, original stuff under. So look for that. You can look for the, the single on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, it's called Home by High Clear. Word high and the word clear. One word <laughs> together. together. Yes. <laughs> uh, so just search home by high clear and you'll be fine. And then uh, as far as upcoming, we have a bunch of 
upcoming cover gigs. We just did a back-to-back uh, Friday, Saturday uh, th- event this weekend. So we have a bunch more coming up in the area, in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, for those, you can go on the Jordan and Zach Facebook page um, or just the website that we use, which is Jordan Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-Z, online.com, and you'll see all of our upcoming dates through the next several weeks. of uh, Come check us out. Cool. Well, thank you all for coming by today. I guess I'm going to do an outro. Uh, Cue the outro music. It's playing later in the future. (laughs) And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here one more time. Jordan, Zach, thank you guys. I'll be back again next week. Button work. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2021. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening. And we are done. That is a podcast. Well, it was a podcast. Thank you. It was a podcast. That was a podcast. That was great. That was.